Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, David Noyes, who actually has uh, a website all about travel writing and travel photography. But also, uh, more importantly, he has an amazing project called Innocent Eyes. Uh, we're going to find out about that. beyond that as well. Uh, so stay tuned for learning all about Innocent Eyes. But before we do that, we want to get to know David a little bit better. Uh, David, uh, why don't you share a little bit more about yourself for the people who are listening and watching today? Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, you know, as I mentioned to you, you know, previously, I've had a lot of my friends and colleagues show up on your program. So it's, it's wonderful to be on your podcast. Um, my story, you know, kind of a long story short, is I've had two careers, pre and post 9-11-2001. Before 9-11, I worked in advertising. I owned an ad agency. I did corporate and advertising photography. And, you know, the tragic events of 9-11 pretty much shut down my business. And I started looking around for opportunities, started doing more editorial work. I was the founding editor of an outdoor recreation magazine that led me into kind of global international adventure travel and kind of one thing after another you know that's where i've been um since 2002 or so and i had the opportunity to visit some of the most remote and exotic places on earth and it's it's been a wonderful ride so i'd love to hear a little bit more about the ride in terms of uh where are the major cities countries continents you visited uh, any particular highlights that stand out to you well, I had the opportunity in 2005, 2006, 2007. I was a part of several projects. I was one of a handful of photographers invited um, to visit Tibet. I also, the following year, did a, um, two trips into Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region in northwest China. Uh, the Chinese Travel Channel did a two-part documentary on me photographing Beijing just before the 2008 Olympics. So that kind of led me into a lot of places, but I'm an opportunist. A lot like a lot of uh, the people you talk to, I go where the opportunities present themselves to me. And as I started doing more and writing more, and one of the beautiful things about the world in which we live today is you can write for anybody and work for anywhere. It's all about being digital. And so I've worked with Chinese magazines, magazines out of Bangkok, out of India, uh, Sawadi uh, in-flight magazine. So it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of make those connections. Um, you know, it, one quick story. I was actually, I went to um, Myanmar and I was flying through Beijing. I'm coming back from Myanmar and my cover feature story for a Chinese magazine about Namibia was on the newsstand. Uh, it's a small world that we live in today and uh, you know, it's, we live in an opportunity in an age where op the opportunity to travel is at our fingertips. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm curious to know about your travel writing and travel photography. Uh, walk us through your website. It's called Noise Travels. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the site uh, and the different writing you cover, uh, topics and themes, etc. 
Well, the site's pretty simple. It's, uh, it is really a bit of a portfolio. I don't do a lot of blogging, per se. Most of my work has been for magazines. Um, I published my first book, The Photographing Tourist, uh, a little while ago, which has been quite successful, uh, that has tips and anecdotes and insights that I've learned on the road, as well as 12 magazine length kind of feature stories. Um, so that's a little bit of where I've come to, um, you know, again, going where the opportunities present themselves and kind of repurposing a lot of my content. You know, I've been able to write several stories about trips. I've won my fair share of awards and that kind of leads to new opportunities. Um, but, you know, again, you know, as a lot of your guests, I'm often asked, you know, what is my favorite place or where are some of my favorite places? And the place that draws me back consistently is East Africa. Uh, I've been, I've led several photographic safaris. You know, part of what you talk about is how to make a living doing this. And between working in some marketing, working with a, as a freelance photographer, I have, um, uh, I sell um, content, both my travel writing as well as stock agencies. I do a lot of lectures. I sell my books. I lead trips. So it's kind of the whole mosaic of how do you actually make a living and earn an income these days being a travel journalist and, and travel writer? That is definitely the question, uh, and that's the question we ask all of our guests. How do you make money doing your passion? And, uh, you know, it is definitely the multiple streams of like, income approach. Uh, you mentioned with you, uh, travel writing, travel photography, uh, you know, even your book. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the book. Uh, you know, I, I saw it uh, on the site before the interview, but walk us through a little bit about the origin story and the book's content. So the, I self-published the book. You know, I talked to a bunch of publishers. And being a travel writer and photographer, there was way too much travel narrative writing for the photography people. And there was way too much photography for the travel narrative publishers. So what I found was I had to do it myself. If I wanted to create the book that I wanted to create, I had to self-publish it. So that meant I hired the designer. I hired an editor. I hired all of the people that made this come together. I paid for the printing of the hard copy book. Uh, it's not out in digital form yet. Um, I'm still a little bit old school. You know, I've created a couple of magazines from scratch. I love the smell of ink on paper. And I love holding something in my hand. Um, and so I wanted to make that a hard copy book. So it was, a, as I mentioned before, a blend of some of my stories and anecdotes, as well as some of the, the full-length feature narrative stories, uh, where I had a dozen some odd images along with the travel narrative that was originally created for a magazine. And yeah, there are over more than 300 some odd photographs in there. It's done well. I've won 18 international and national awards now, including my fourth Lowell Thomas Award. Um, and a gold award with the North American Travel Journalists Association for the book. So I'm really proud. You know, I've been a photographer most of my life. I did corporate advertising work. Photography to me is a part of how I'm built, and we can talk a little bit more about that. The camera is an extension of my hand. 
writing for me is hard, I believe. Uh, my writing style is, is a blend of a kind of first-person narrative with historical context and some kind of a cultural relevancy. I, I tend to describe my work as writing complex stories about complex places. Um, I grew tired at one point of writing another perfect ending to another perfect day in the Riviera Maya. Um, a lot of what I write kind of tries to cut a little bit deeper than that. I try to talk about social narratives. I try to talk about indigenous cultures and indigenous populations all over the world that are struggling to how do you blend retaining some kind of your ancient historical past with educating your children to compete in a modern world. And that's where Innocent Eyes Project comes kind of full circle with me. Um, every tribal leader, every community elder that I talk to, when you ask them, what can we do to help? And every tourist that I've led into some of these communities is touched by the children in these rural communities. And almost every time the answer I got was help educate the children. It's the only way they have a shot. And I've seen it. And I've seen first and second generation communities that have never had education. And the elders in the community don't understand it. A lot of places in this world to allow, and I'm gonna use my little quote fingers, to allow a child to be educated, to go to school, is a sacrifice for the family. They have to give up working in the field, taking care of the next generation of children, especially young women. Are, it's a big sacrifice for families to allow their kids to go to school. And that's part of what we're tapping into and trying to create you know, the opportunity. And if it's one child, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people obviously by now, and it's we're not trying to fix the world. We're not trying to save a continent. We're trying to give one child at a time the opportunity for a better life. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, sometimes the problem seems so overwhelming and you can't uh, really feel that you can help enti entire city, entire country, entire continent, entire world, but you feel much more capable uh, to help that one individual. Uh, so I'm curious to know a little bit about the origin story. If you can walk us back to the very foundation of Innocent Eyes, uh, tell us a little bit about the idea and how did the idea come from the mind to your hands? How did you go from idea to implementation? Well. Innocent Eyes Project as an um, organization, as a concept, as you put it, started with a trip to Nepal. Actually, it started before that. I'll, I'll circle back. But in, I wrote a story about Nepal, and it was a while after their uh, internal revolution. And a lot of children were uh, inscribed into that civil war and especially in the Annapurna region. And there was a billboard that I saw that was about a young missing girl that was kind of caught up in this world, uh, in the war. And new generations of children had never really seen tourists. The whole area was shut down. The Everest area continued to operate all during this time period, but the Annapurna region lost all of their tourism support. So a new generation of children 
were introduced to tourists for the first time and they run out on the trails and they follow you around and they'd ask you questions and it's namaste, namaste. And school pen was kind of a um, viral term that's kind of permeated the entire area. And they were just adorable children. And so that's where that came from. And I, I finished that story by saying a new generation of Nepali children were meeting tourists for the first time and a new generation of tourist trekkers were being introduced to the hopes and dreams of a nation through the innocent eyes of her children. So that's kind of where that came. But the, the quick circle back is my first trip to East Africa in 2000. I met one of the most beautiful men I have ever known who died in the process of actually me writing the book. And I wrote a tribute to him in my acknowledgments. Um, and he started a, an organization that Innocent Eyes Project still supports. Uh, the story that I'll tell you, and I'll probably bring a tear to my eye, um, is he's a safari guide. And safari guides in East Africa are the rock stars of East Africa. Children come out and wave at all the safari trucks going by. They draw large crowds. It's what you aspire to be if you're a young child watching the safari trucks go by in Kenya. And he met a, a young boy that was living on the streets of Nairobi. And he was different than a lot of the other kids. Uh, he wasn't sniffing glue, which is a big problem in a lot of places. He wasn't stoned all of the time. He was a good kid. And he brought him into his family. He gave him a loving home and started an organization that helps put orphan kids through school in Kenya that I've been a part of. This young man has graduated from the University of Miami of Ohio and is in a PhD program in Georgia. And that's the ripple effect. And part of what we talk about with Innocent Eyes Project is to start a ripple. Educating one child can touch the lives of thousands. And all of these kids are dedicated to go back home and work in their local communities. And, you know, that's, it, it's about those stories that transcend kind of what it means to be in touch with our common humanity and to give back, as you mentioned, um, you know, those are, that's what it's all about. And I've had the opportunity over the years to visit a lot of those communities and to make a difference and to see how educating one child can really make a difference in the world. Yeah, you know, uh, thank you for sharing so uh, vulnerably and so openly about those stories. Uh, definitely, uh, it is very inspiring. Uh, to see tangibly the changes that are, these children are going through, uh, you know, and each of those have such a unique um, story. And, uh, you know, good on you for documenting it and, uh, you know, um, uh, changing lives. Um, so uh, what is the vision? I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about the vision going forward for Innocent Eyes, like perfect scenario. If you had all the money in the world, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the hard part, all the money in the world. And yeah, that's been, it's been difficult. We've, we've made a difference. Uh, we've been operating now since 2013. Um, we have almost $60,000 that we've given in grants. But I'm not the guy that's building the school in Uganda. I'm using my talents as a storyteller, as a travel journalist, 
to tell the stories of these children and to help fundraise for a lot of the grassroots organizations that are already on the ground. And you know this as well as anybody. It can take decades to build the trust of local communities. You don't just show up as a foreigner, especially a white American, and say, I'm here to help. Um, it doesn't work that way. You need to have the cooperation of people on the ground that are doing the hard work. So those are the people that I shout out to. I'm the spokesman. I'm out trying to fundraise to build grants. We get requests for proposals. We've been working now with organizations in Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Nicaragua, and Guatemala. And we're small amounts of money. I'll give you one more kind of quick anecdote. There's an organization in Nicaragua that reached out to us. And I'm largely working now with people that I know or that have been recommended to me. Um, and they needed to create a school lunch program. You know, the kids were walking miles to school every day, going home at, at lunchtime and not coming back. So for a couple thousand dollars a year, we could fund a school lunch program. The kids would come to school, they'd get a hot meal, taking a little burden off of the family, and they'd stay in school all day long. And those are kind of the projects that we're looking to help in and around the edges of what larger organizations can do. So uh, what do you feel you need the most help in? I mean, obviously we mentioned the money thing, that's always uh, a big uh, need uh, for every organization around the world. Uh, I guess awareness, uh, tell us a little bit more, what are the major needs? Yeah, clearly, you know, obviously it's about the money and I do give a little bit of the proceeds of every book, the photographing tourist that I sell to Innocent Eyes Project. But part of what I'm doing also isn't just that. It's also about sharing the stories like you've given me the opportunity today. It's about helping to educate travelers to look beyond the excitement of their destination and find places. And let me give you one quick story. I have a sub-chapter in my book called Beware of the Cute Kid with the Baby Lamb. And it's real. It's about uh, girls in Cusco uh, on the way to Machu Picchu in, in Peru that are adorable. They're wandering around with these cute little baby lambs, and you just want to photograph them. But they're working. And just like girls and boys all over the world, they're out there on the streets hawking. And, you know, uh, I have a story about a young girl in Thailand that approached me. And as soon as I took her picture, her hand went out. And I said, no money. And she looked up at me with a little scowl on her face. No money, no picture. And, you know, clearly mom was nearby. Um, but here's the story behind that. And here's a lesson for all travelers. When we pay children for anything, if we give them money, if we give them candy, if we give them anything, and if they become wage earners for their family, they're not going to school. They're out working the streets to make a couple of bucks, and they're condemned to a life of poverty. And those are the stories. And I, we kind of started our conversation with me telling complex stories about complex places. Those are the stories that I really want to tell. And just about being aware, having an awareness of where you are, especially as we, do, we travel into the developing world, where children 
are at risk on a daily basis. And we leave, like I said before, with a warm and fuzzy feeling about having a wonderful time meeting some indigenous children. But we go home and they stay there. And there's nothing warm and fuzzy and cute about their existence. It's hard. So there are organizations out there. And I implore people to find places like Innocent Eyes Project, or if you're in local communities, talk to elders, find a way to help. If you really want to help, don't give money to kids in the street. Give money to an organization that is actually doing good in those local environments. And, uh, and you know, too, a lot of tour operators, both U.S. outbound and inbound all over the world, have connections with organizations that are doing good work in local communities. And that's, if anything, that's kind of where the full circle of my career has come from. I start my book by telling about my first interactions with children in the developing world, and 20 years later, um, me starting an organization that tries to make a difference in the world. You've definitely come full circle, uh, you know, and good on you for what you're doing. Um, you know, like uh, for me, uh, I definitely want to do more. I, I know uh, when we're traveling, we see it firsthand. We've been traveling for eight months continuously with my kids, um, you know, and I have a website called daddyblogger.com, and my big passion is fatherhood and family and helping kids, etc. and uh, we're volunteering with a few organizations. One is called SOS, Children's Village, so uh, just here in Medellin, we've been um, staying at a YWAM, which stands for Youth with a Mission, and we're just doing our part, which is, uh, you know, maybe teaching English or volunteering. My wife likes teaching arts and crafts. My kids just like to connect with other kids. So it's really good for my kids because they're traveling and they don't always get the chance to meet other kids. Uh, so when we stay at orphanages, they really get this firsthand connection with kids who aren't as privileged as them. I mean, we are from Vancouver, BC, Canada. They have like toys of galore. Uh, so one of the cool stories you've shared a few. Um, my kids actually, um, and I get teary-eyed too, but my kids actually purposely said uh, they won't actually give their toys away to the orphans. And it was so beautiful. Um, the, uh, me and um, my daughter and my son, uh, they had all their toys in a basket, and they actually literally started handing their toys one by one. And it's, it's so moving. Yeah, you know, and those are great experiences. And, you know, it, even in, like I mentioned, you know, early in our conversation, I've been to Cuba now. Uh, four times within the last several months. I've led a couple of trips there. And, um, you know, I've seen things that cut both ways. You know, Americans in Cuba now is a unique thing. And even when, you know, we get off the buses, and I cautioned a couple of my travelers uh, about giving things to children. And one more quick child story. And one of the guys thought he was being wonderful. He, he met a family. We were in a tourist area. He met the little girl. They chit-chatted for a while. You know, he gave her a little something, something. And I, I talked to him about it, and I said, you know, that has consequences when we leave here. And it, it was 20 minutes later. I saw mom sending the little girl out to the tourist buses with her hand out. So it's, you know, we really need to be careful with those situations, and especially in a place like Cuba where you know, we have a connection. Americans and Cubans have a connection that goes back generations. And 
it's a very fragile it's very new um, there's an opportunity for our two communities and if you look at Cuba in terms of a nation there's a nation that's still in Cuba and there's a Cuban nation that's in America that need to be reconciled and watching that process right now is unique I think in history over a very long period of time um, but we as tourists we as travelers we as nomads affect those relationships whether we understand it or not we leave awake as we move through a community and that's all I'm saying is just be aware of what some of the consequences of some of our behavior is and to walk gently through the world and you know it's a it's a leave no trace mentality that I think all of us need to really kind of understand and it's about understanding it's not necessarily about preaching you know I don't try and go out on a high horse anywhere and say here's what you need and need not do it's just be aware of what you're doing in the environment and yeah we mentioned before a, a friend of mine um, Nick Contes who you had interviewed with uh, going local and I was a part of his project and he talks about a lot of the same stuff and about getting to know a community and being a part of it and I circle back to mentioning tourists um, we're all tourists uh, I know and I've embraced I have embraced the notion of being a tourist uh, unless you live someplace unless you fully embrace a community you're traveling through you are a tourist of the world and that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, I think we just need to kind of have that understanding you know it's like you know sitting in your backyard in the United States somewhere and a bus full of foreigners pulls out in front of your house and puts cameras in your face while you're sitting you know grilling a hot dog you know it's we don't get that I call it kind of a nomad mugging um, where we as tourists see these amazing cultural uh, novelties and we just swarm upon them and I think that's you know that's part of the message that I'm trying to get out yeah David you've been uh, super inspiring here uh, so uh, how can people connect with you you have your travel writing travel photography website with some amazing photography man by the way make sure you check out his uh, David's photography uh, definitely um, captivating the soul capturing the energy of the cities and the people that he meets uh, and also obviously innocent eyes how can they connect with you there and how can they donate help out create awareness make a difference well my website is noise travels.com it's n-o-y-e-s no yes travels.com innocent eyes project.org we are all over social media it's um, it's been kind of fun I post a lot on Facebook and some Instagram uh, noise travels uh, so I'm pretty easy to find um, and you know I love interacting with folks I've been publishing a lot of my Cuba stuff as I've been going through those portfolios over the last couple of months so um, I love uh, interacting with with world travelers it's just a wonderful experience and uh, how can people get a copy of the book as well it's available on amazon.com a little bit trickier internationally um, also off of noise travels is my website um, you know I have uh, I have a digital uh, small version on there and you can order directly off of noise travels.com 
So, and I have a whole bunch of them in my basement. My wife is, would be thrilled to get them out. Actually, if you use a, a friend as a coupon code off of my website, you can save five bucks and free shipping. There you go, easy. <laughs> Put the promo code friend, uh, friend quote unquote, and then uh, you can uh, definitely get free shipping and a discount. So thanks David for your time today. Uh, definitely very inspiring, uh, you know, the work you're doing. Uh, with uh, the Innocent Eyes Project. Uh, wishing you the best there uh, with uh, making a difference in the life of so many children around the world. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I'll have those links below, everyone. Uh, you know, if you've been inspired by this interview, as I have, and I know uh, if you've heard these stories, I will definitely leave a tear in your eyes. So uh, definitely click through. I'll have the links below. If you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be light, right in the YouTube description, uh, both Noise Travels and also um, um, InnocentEyesProject.org and also uh, the book. Uh, there'll be links to all of those. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, you can actually purchase it or uh, take a look at the links directly on the show notes. Uh, so uh, uh, make sure you connect with David uh, and his project, definitely super, 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 super inspiring. Make sure you connect with us as well, with Digital Nomad Mastery across the web, digitalnomadmastery.com. We actually have an active and engaged Facebook group as well, called the Digital Nomad Mastery Community, where you can ask these questions, you can post these links. Maybe you wanna also help out and make a difference and you don't know where to start. Ask that question, and I'm sure other uh, community members will be happy to help out. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.